Watch me try to pronounce this. You are a bird in enth- you are bird. <laughs> okay, first of all, it says you are bird enthusiast. Don't you dare edit that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Chance Gaming Podcast, episode 122. I am Adam Chance, and with me always is Richard and Roy. Good evening, everyone, and Happy New Year. Hey, I'm Roy, and uh, I live in Holland, Michigan, and Happy New Year to you. It is the new year. New year, new thing. We made it. We did. We did make it into there. And well, like Roy reminded me last time, we're coming up on our anniversary in about a yep, month. Sometime in February, yep. Yeah, it's also my birthday. We'll have to do a big celebration. With uh, okay. with all kinds of surprise guests and stuff like that, let's let's finally get Richard Berg and Borg on at the same time. I'm gonna email you an ASL tournament shirt for your birthday. Yeah, sure. Yeah, email <laughs> me where I can I can Photoshop it onto my uh, a picture of my of me. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So did you guys get fun stuff for uh, for Christmas? Get what you want. Yeah, I played a lot of it. Not all of it, but I'm getting there. All right. What about you, yeah. Richard? I actually we don't uh, we don't do a whole lot of gifts over Christmas. It's just not we um, we spend a lot of time together and we played some games, but we don't give a lot of gifts to each other for Christmas. We give a lot of stuff to the kids, but not so much to each other. So we did give one gift to the kids uh, that was a game for Christmas. We gave them the uh, the Quest for El Dorado, which is a deck builder, but we haven't even had a chance to play it yet, so I can't do a report on it. Well, see, if they like that, you should turn them on to the old uh, cartoon, The Mysterious Cities of Gold. Yeah, there's a there's a Disney movie. It might be called El Dorado or something like that. I know the kids like that movie. So I, when uh, my youngest saw this one in the, at the game store, she really wanted it. And I think I think that movie was heavily influenced. So The Road to El Dorado. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. From t- from 2000. Wow, that was a long time ago. It's almost 20 yeah, it years was. ago. And it's, <laughs> it's not a Disney movie. It is DreamWorks Animation. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, I don't even know if they still do anything. But, yeah. You know, speaking of animation, this morning uh, I was looking on Amazon Video. I really wanted to find some old, like, Tom and Jerry cartoons or stuff that I used to watch. Um and just just like on on Amazon uh, Video, if you if you're into anime, boy howdy do they have anime, and that's all they have. So, like yeah, if if people are want to want to see some anime, that's the place to go. But um, do either of you guys know of any place where I can watch online Tom and Jerry or Looney Tunes or um, Woody Woodpecker or any of those kind of old timey cartoons? I used to just watch that stuff on YouTube unless they've taken it down, you know, within the last two or three years. My my little one who's now nine, she and I used to watch this stuff on Saturday mornings on YouTube just because mm-hmm. when I was a kid I watched it with my dad on Saturday mornings, not on YouTube of course, but you know, it's the same yeah. cartoons. In fact you could even go to YouTube and it would say like four hours of Looney Tune cartoons and we would sit down and watch that. So Really? All right. Yeah. 
I guess I didn't look close enough then. Now, uh, I, I didn't look on YouTube. I, I will say uh, some of the stuff is on uh, archive.org. And uh, I'm going to drop that to you in the, uh, the Skype window now. Um, there, uh, some of it's on uh, archive.org. It's, it's mostly the stuff around like 1940, uh, which is mm-hmm. a lot of the, the uh, earlier stuff. Um, I think that kind was of the, the racially objectionable stuff. <laughs> yeah, and I will I will say like your main problem that you can't find anything online is that's all Warner Brothers and they kind of they keep all their stuff kind of locked up because they want you to buy their they want to come out they had a failed streaming service a few years ago but they've kind of had some success with um, Boomerang which is it's their channel and uh, you can actually get it on Prime I think it's like five bucks a month. And oh, is they, it? Okay. Yeah, and um, it has all the the Tom and Jerry. It has uh, Sylvester and Tweety, the Jetsons, Scooby Doo, the Flintstones. You know, all the all that stuff that they own, which that you know is yeah. Johnny, Johnny Quest, Yogi right. Bear. You know, they have uh, all that stuff. Oh, my dog. Just I did see that um, uh, Amazon Prime is going to have a new Adventures of Rocky and Bullwinkle. So there's brand new Rocky and Bullwinkle shows. They're coming on on the 11th, so what on Wednesday? Um, so if, yeah, if you're into into Rocky and Bullwinkle, it's it's new kind of reimagined uh, cartoons. I'd be interested in that, and which reminds me, uh, you know, uh, Cool Mini or Not, who I talk about so much, um, it has Wacky <laughs> Racers that is it's up for pre-order now uh it's for about i think uh, i see game nerds has it for like 3147 um i know dice tower pre- uh, previewed it i think last uh july i don't know if it's going to be as good as i'm making it out as i it is in my mind because i i thoroughly enjoyed the cartoon so much um mm-hmm. but I you know I'm I'm really excited to actually uh, play this game. It's supposed to be this quarter, so we'll see. Oh, it, what you mentioned okay. about the the um, the uh, racial stuff uh, in the uh, the old cartoons like that. I will say what Warner Brothers does instead of censoring any of the old cartoons, what they do is they stick up a disclaimer where they were like, look, you know, this it was a different world. It was a different time, and if we censor this, it's like denying that it happened. So, yep. you know, we just want to leave it there and take it for what it is, you know. And so, I, you well, know, you I, know, I appreciate that. I wish that Disney would do that with Song of the South. I've never seen it, but uh, I want to, uh, just to kind of, because I want to know what all the, what the big deal about it is. I mean, and, and Disney World has um, Splash Mountain, so it's themed on that. So it just seems a waste to to have this property that we're theming an attraction on and then kind of try to ignore it. That is very true. That's, that's very odd that you would think, you know, I mean, at the time uh, Splash Mountain was created, you know, that I, I'm pretty sure that movie was out of print, but I could be wrong. It, no, it was probably out on VHS. So maybe, you know, they did it and they're like, well, you know, we really can't put, you know, Uncle Remus, you know, in this and all the stuff. And yeah, I don't know. But I guess and, you know, if you if you couch it with a discussion, uh, you know, in the beginning and at the end and you make a special out of it and put it on the Disney Channel, I just to me, that feels like there's no downside. 
I mean, I'm sure right. I've I've seen that cartoon. Well, it's not a cartoon. It's kind of well, it's a live action slash cartoon, kind of like uh, Mary Poppins. You know, I'm sure I've seen mm-hmm. it, but it's been a long, long time since yeah. I've seen it. Richard, have you have you seen the Song of the South? Yeah, I think I saw it out at a drive-in or something when I was a kid. I, I'm pretty sure I've seen it on the big screen, but obviously it's been a long, long time. A drive-in. Wow. What is, yeah. what is what is that, Grandpa? Oh, those were the best. <laughs> uh, There's oh, a few yeah. still around. One of the things uh, I was going to mention uh, what when we were talking about uh, Christmas and getting stuff was uh, I got I, I made your friend Bruce uh, a good Christmas by uh, shopping for him. Yes. Yeah. So he told me that uh, you got. So it was funny because um, I got a package in the mail and I thought that that was just rising sun going to him. But, yeah, he asked me about it and he picked that up and he is he is very happy to get it. Uh, I will be happy to play it because he's he and I have been we're going to try to play ASL at at least a couple times a month together. So, yeah, that that rising sun. So where did uh, that that came from where your local gaming store, the one that did you work with all the time yeah yeah uh it's okay. Van, vans comics and cards in ridgeland mississippi and uh i actually finally got the whole story on how they got it oh okay it, it, it was the a little old lady came in <laughs> with a um a, a cardboard box full of board games and they were like, these belong to somebody, uh, my my son's ex-roommate. I was cleaning out the house, and I found them in the back of a closet. Wow. And, it, and so she was like, uh, you know, I can do you buy these? Can I sell these to you? And that, there was actually another rare game in there. I can't remember what it was, but it was, uh, it was about, um, it was worth about 70 bucks. What it, whatever the other one was, and um, yeah, so it, it, that's where it came from. And what I didn't know was Bruce did not know that it was sealed. I thought I'd made that clear. Yeah, yeah, that's what he told me when uh, he oh, wow. emailed me. I guess maybe yesterday or when it, whenever he got it in the mail. And he's like, "Yeah, this is still in the shriek wrap and everything. This is awesome." So he's very happy. Well, good. Little old ladies are the bane of comic collections everywhere. <laughs> And see, my store, you know, generally they do buy, like, whatever. And, you know, they'll, they'll be, like, straight up with you, kind of like Rick on Pawn Stars. Like, you know, hey, I can get 200 for this, so I'm not going to give you – I may be able to get 200 for this. I'm not going to give you 200 I'll, you know, I'll take the risk at 100 or or whatever. The one thing they do turn around, though, is baseball cards. So many people come in with baseball cards, and they're like, they're just they're just not worth anything. You know, in our area, unless you've got something from like the 30s or, or something like that. So, yeah, but I mean, they buy up. My local store has bought, golly, like first appearance of Black Panther, first appearance of Thor, Avengers number one, uh, Amazing Fantasy 15. All of these have come through and they bought them. Wow. Now, they're, they're general, they go, they get them graded and they are generally rated somewhere between a one and a 3.5. But still, uh, a first appearance Thor is even at a 1.0 is I think it's worth like thirty five hundred dollars. 
you know, Holy still, cow. still, you know, well, that's the thing. Like if it was like rated 10, you know, you're looking at like a $60,000 book or, you know, stuff mm. like that. So, you know, they're usually in rough shape, but they buy them and they get them graded and they usually, usually sell at conventions when they travel around. So it's, it's neat to me, you know, just to, that that kind of thing. I, I would love to like comic book man. I love that show. It was like a geeky pawn stars. You know, people would come in with stuff. Mm-hmm. So anyway, <laughs> I digress. Moving on. <laughs> we we talk so much, but I like it. The kids love us. Uh, what are we, <laughs> what are we playing lately? For me, I got Dungeon Degenerates to the table, and it was a lot of fun. So who'd you play with? Um, I played with my friend Chris, and uh, let's see, I was the um, the pit fighter, and he was the witch smeller. The witch smeller. Yes. The witch. <laughs> sounds like a keyforge deck. The, wi- <laughs> the witch. The witch smeller. Because, uh, and that's like part of the reason why the guy is like in trouble. Like the whole reason why he he starts out in the uh, the the prison is because he um, he. Uh, unli- uh, uh, he was smelling witches without a license or, or something <laughs> like that. Uh, I can't. I can't remember. But anyway, it's so. It's is this just... a pre-made character? Yes. Yes. Oh, you okay. On- okay. They're only pre-made characters, but you uh you can actually level up, you know, in the game. And you know, we've talked about this game for a while, and it is. It looks just as cool as you think it does. It has this fantastic, really weird kind of R crumb seventies rock and roll you know, neon vibe to it. And uh, I would definitely say it is not a, it's, it is a dungeon crawl, but it's not because you're not technically in a dungeon. You're actually just moving around this, this land, this, this uh, kingdom that's, you know, pretty shitty. Cause it's like, you know, wherever you go, monsters pop up and, you know, and uh, mess you up. We tried the first mission and were killed before before completing it. We couldn't complete it. We died. And I'm like, we were like, dadgum, this, this thing's kind of hard, you know, to do. So, you know, I, I highly recommend it. Um, it's it, The weird thing was, is like Chris was saying, was like, you know, this thing is like really, really good. It's hard to believe the guy that made this, this is his only game, you know, that he, he did all of this. It's all done really, really well. And uh, I really like the dice rolling. Like where you roll, you roll like your attack and defense dice at the same time, and so if you succeed your roll, then it's like uh, on a d6, the smaller number is how much damage you do to the monster. So, and if you mess it up, you you have your dice roll as well, your armor dice roll in there as well, and so that's how much you take off. So I don't know, I just thought it was really neat. So is this a, a GMless system? Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. So it's really it, more, it's more like a co-op, maybe dungeon dwell, uh, dungeon delve game. Absolutely. Okay, uh, perfect. Yeah, you have these different uh, decks of cards, and there's quite a few of them. I wish I took a picture of all the different decks that were out. They're like, okay, if you are in this color area, you draw from this color deck, and uh, if you uh, kill this type of monster, you draw loot from this. Thing. And it was really neat because, like, we didn't realize it until because I'm I never go through components ever, you know, you know, just like I don't read rule books. I just like being surprised. <laughs> so um, I uh, we discovered that, like, in the epic loot, there are surprise monsters as well. Like you 
thought it was a barrel full of good stuff, and turns out it was a goblin wearing a barrel as armor. So, you know, <laughs> just neat. And uh, the other thing I got myself involved in, for whatever reason, I get in a lot of trouble. Like when my wife goes out of town, I sit around and, you know, I'm bored. You saw I did two supplemental episodes just interviewing people about other <laughs> games, you know. <laughs> Just because, you know, I was like, hey, you know, I want to learn about this. Oh, look, this guy will talk to me. And yeah. And uh, so I did that. And one of the other things I got involved with was coming up with a state tournament system for Warhammer 40K. So there will be a Mississippi state tournament in which in 2019, and we will crown a state champion for Warhammer 40K. So is this just going to be anyone from Mississippi can sign up, or are you going to have qualifiers at local game stores, or how are you going to do that? Well, it's we do it. Uh, Warhammer Forty Thousand has an official, unofficial tournament system. Uh, games Workshop doesn't do anything with it, so this other company um, took it upon themselves to do it, and it's called like the ITC, and I don't even know what that stands for. But there's like a national ranking system, and that's how we're going to do it. I'm not, not going to limit it just to people who live in Mississippi, because that would get weird. You know, it's like, hey, let me see your ID. You know, where do you live? Oh, I'm from Hot Coffee, Mississippi. I'm like, oh, okay. I know that's real. Um, You're going to have some carpetbaggers rolling in from New York State to, uh, to, to school all you Southern boys down there. That is true. That is true. It's gonna New happen. York City. Right. Yeah. We're gonna have, yeah, I'm sure it'll happen. So we're not we're not gonna limit. It's just gonna be a tournament system in Mississippi, and oh my gosh, guys, it's it's worse than herding cats. It's like herding cats that are riding motorcycles. It's so weird because you start talking. You you would think you know, hey, this is a great idea. Everybody is on board, right? Wrong, wrong. All these shop owners they're, they're super suspicious, you know. And, I don't know, I guess I understand it. Kind of like, when you read between the lines, their main thing is they don't want their local player base to realize things are better down, or could possibly be better down the road. You know? (coughs) I don't get that. Because, I mean, it's like, come on, guys. It's Maybe they discover a better shop down the road, but it's three hours down the road. Who is going to drive three hours to just get you know a slightly better discount on product or or whatever i mean that's just silly to me but a lot of the shop owner guys are 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 kind of suspicious and paranoid and protective of their player base and other ones are like well i just want i don't want to send my players i don't want to cheerlead this and then i send all my guys here they drive three hours and it's a crappy store you know it's a store that has like six tables, two pieces of terrain, and no product on the shelf. So yeah. it's like, hey, because that's the thing. It's like, hey, I won, you know, I won the tournament. I got eighty dollars in store credit, but they don't have anything. You know, they yeah. have five boxes of stuff. I guess so, I'll get three games of Monopoly. Oh, so <laughs> it's trying to well, navigate all this. Go ahead, Roy. So are you gonna have qualifiers? To well, or it's just kind of whoever shows up. It will be open to everyone. That every mm-hmm. store, every store has been pretty adamant about that. About they they want it open to everyone. They don't want to be able to say, 
oh, sorry, Timmy, you're not that good a player, you know, so you, mm-hmm. you this is only for good people. Um, so I understand that. And the way the point system works will work for that. It will be like the, even the final tournament will be open to everybody. It's just like, you know, the top whatever players, you know, five players or whatever will absolutely get a, a seat and then everybody else will, you know, it'll just become as come as you are. So um, it it will be open to everybody, but still, it's you'll the first place will be the guy with the highest points, you know, and second will be the second high, you know. It, it it works. The ITC has this whole thing, this whole point scoring system, and that just kind of helps. So, do you have I any decide- guess for how many people you're gonna have? And see, that's the thing is, you have these stores that are like, well, how many people are coming? And I'm like, this is literally the first time we'll do this in the state. I don't know. You know, I I would tell you to prepare for 20, and honestly, I would feel really bad if five people show up. I really would, but there isn't anything I can do about that. It's it's just this, we're going to try to advertise. I mean, my local stores, they're great, and they're all over it. They're like, you know, we'll, we're going to buy Facebook ads, you know, and, and just pimp this out completely. Because I'll start it. I would like to start it at their store because they're moving into a new store in March that is enormous, and they'll be able to field, you know, 30, 40 players if needs be. It seems like (laughs) the sort of thing that you'd want to have at maybe a neutral territory like a a hotel ballroom or at some con somewhere. And then if you win, you're sponsoring store to make sure that, that the stores don't feel cut out that like the prize money is a gift certificate to their store or, you know, whatever your home store is. Yeah. I mean, that is true, but you, you get, I don't know. I, I started out trying to shop around cons and uh, the main issue there is at least in my experience, what I've ran into the places where these smaller Mississippi conventions uh, go to they're charged like by the table. Like one guy was telling me like their tables, uh, he's having to spend like, I think it was like $35 per table for people to game on. Wow. So yeah, he, and he's like, well, you know, if you do a $25 buy-in, you know, it's like, I'm, you know, it's, it's still, we're not making, it's not worth it to us to, you know, have to, to go in like this. Plus they'll take up all the room and we can't have our X-Wing tournament, you know, and, and all this other stuff. So, I don't know. Dude, the, guys, this is a huge headache that I decided <laughs> that I wanted for whatever reason. Have you set uh, a date yet? No, 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 no. Just keep listening to us. You'll, you'll, it'll, <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be worse in two weeks when we come back, trust me. Uh, I want to kick it off in March because that's when my new shop opens their store. And that, that is like um, the, uh, the interesting thing about it is um uh, even my even my local store is like yeah it's gonna suck to be the 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 first guy you know because it yeah and then you just tell people like hey wait till next you know next month they'll be it here and they're like who you want to be is the last guy the last tournament you know because everybody wants to come see everybody wants to play in that one everybody wants to see who wins it'll be a whole spectacle you know so ah do you have anyway. some thoughts about the entry fee well, how much that would be? Oh, yeah. Now, see, that's another thing. Another issue you run into. <laughs> uh, it just keeps coming up. And 
it's always one one problem after another. So the entry fees, I found out not every store, um, not every store actually gives back a hundred percent of the uh, the fees. And so that's kind of become a sticking point. And I was like, wow. Because, I mean, I'm spoiled by my local store. They're great. You know, you come in and it's they pay out 100%. Whatever it is, they pay out 100% of, of the fees back. Some stores mm-hmm. don't. Some stores are way worse than I ever knew existed. They're paying back like 40% of the fees. They're keeping mm-hmm. sixty for themselves, and I'm like, Dad, gum, that's just like wrong, you know. Well, and so, yeah, go ahead. Maybe if you uh, if you had like the feeder tournament, where it had an entry fee, and if you won the feeder tournament, then you um, maybe you got a discount on the final tournament, and then um, you know if if you if you don't win a qualifier, then you're paying full price. But if you win a feeder tournament, then you're paying, you know, seventy five percent or whatever. What what I figured out to actually work f- for me that I'm going to uh, – right now, of course, it's all going to fall apart just as soon as this, we finish recording this. <laughs> I'll get an email. Um, is I, I can make this – I have enough people on board right now that I can make it a, kind of a premier event where I can do four tournaments, period, with, you know, the last one being, you know, just four tournaments in uh, three different places in the state. They've said yes, and um, if I do it that way, I don't. I don't have to worry about it. You know, there, it. I, I can char. I can. It will be a premier event, so we'll do a twenty-five dollar entry fee, which is ten dollars higher than normal. Normally, most people pay fifteen for a forty k tournament, but every one of the um, the uh, venues has agreed to a hundred percent payback. Plus, like door prizes, you know, and all this stuff. So, you know, it it'll be like a nice thing, supposedly. I can mm-hmm. people could be cursing my name this time next year, but you know, this is where we're at so far. <laughs> anyway, yeah, stay tuned to this podcast for more, yeah, more 40k drama. Um, so the only other thing I played was Saga. And the only kind of thing I wanted to say about that is me and my friend playing it where we realized, like, you know. This rule book is not laid out well. <laughs> we, in fact, one of the rule questions we had, the actual rule itself is simply listed in a blurb on the side as an example. That is the only place where the actual rule is, is in an example blurb on the side instead of the actual rule. So that just annoyed the hell out of me. Like somebody should really kind of go through this and put it together better, but I get you kind of get that with like because this was I think it's originally a, a French was what it was originally maybe it was not American and then it was translated into American so and you kind of run into some problems that way anyway it's a great game but and I like it it was just a little frustrating to have to dig around for the rules but anyway Roy take me through what you've been playing. So, let's see, I got a few games uh, this past Christmas, and one, number one was Villainous. So this is a Disney game where you play the villains. Um, there's, uh, and some of the villains are a little, little esoteric. There's Prince John from Robin Hood and Captain Hook, uh, but then there's Jafar is in there, 
and Ursula. And so you, it's, it's, it's a card driven game. And so you have, you draw a hand of cards and you have, you know, like in, in side where you move your token from action to action and you can't take the same action on the same turn or on the, on a consecutive turn, it's the yep. same sort of rule here. And so you go to various, like if you're playing Prince John, you have, the jail, you have Sherwood Forest, you have Nottingham, and then there's a fourth location I can't recall. Um, each location has a different action or different set of actions that you can go do to go there. Um, and so if you go to the one of the spaces that's, that has a fate symbol, then you can draw a, a hero deck from some other player. So it basically it's like Prince John versus... Captain Hook versus all these different Disney villains. And so if I'm playing uh, Prince John and I'm playing against Ursula, I draw a card from Ursula's fate deck, flip it up, and I put it on one of those locations that will cover up part of her actions. And so it's, it's asymmetrical win conditions, which I think is fascinating. Like Root has the, the asymmetrical gameplay and, um, this villainous does too. So example for Prince John, he has to begin a turn with 20 power. Um, and Captain Hook has to uh, defeat Peter Pan and maybe imprison Tinkerbell. I'm not sure. So it's, you, the, you draw these fate cards and you play them on other people's uh, locations to give them something to defeat. Or um, the uh, Queen of Hearts is in there too. And her win condition is that she has to have a card guard at each location and then turn them all into cricket wickets and then take <laughs> a cricket shot. And so that's nice. how she wins. It's all every, it's very thematic. Each, each villain has a different way that they win. And so the, it seems to me that the play test for this would be a bear because like, how do you, how do you, I guess you, you play it over and over and over again and um, just kind of chalk up, you know, who won and make sure they're about even. But anyway, uh, Villainous is a, it's a USAopoly game and it's uh, Disney themed and we like it. Yeah, I said I, earlier that I was, I, I picked up Eldorado for my, my daughters. Villainous was another one that we looked at and considered getting, so... Glad to hear it's good. This that that one's going to be on our list for the future. Yeah, I've I actually I've only played it a couple of times, but it's uh, it's been easily played a dozen times uh, over the course of the our vacation and uh, you know during our game nights and everything. I gotta yeah. say, I was all, all I always thought uh, you know Prince John was cool. You know that little he's the little uh, lion guy, right? Yep. Oh, okay. Now I remember who you mean. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, from from Disney's Robin Hood, right? Yeah, yeah. And okay, so there's yeah. there's six villains right now, and they're uh, they're kind of taking votes on who they want to add. It seems like Scar would be a good one to put in there. You know, yeah. Anyway, there there's certainly going to be an expansion to this. Villainous. All right, all right. Villainous. What what else have you been playing? So moving on to Suburbia. Well, this is a game that I've had for a while. And uh, we went to a con, and in their game library, they had this, and it was unpunched. So we learned to play it, and then got all the way through it and realized that we had missed a critical rule, rule that kind of changed the, the, the game quite a bit. But it's kind of about uh, urban planning. 
and uh, you have to manage your popularity and your income. So like if you put a park down, that makes your popularity go up. It makes your income go down. So you have to make sure that you have enough money coming in from tax revenue each turn that you can buy the tiles as they come up. So it's, uh, you know, the, the, the tiles have an added cost based on how new they are in the, in the lineup. And we can take these for the printed cost. And then the ones after that have the printed cost plus $2 or plus $8 or whatever. So you're putting down um, mobile home parks. You're putting down fast food restaurants. You're putting down slaughterhouses. And you have to make sure that, the, of course, nobody wants to live next to a slaughterhouse. So if you put it next to a residential area, that hurts your popularity. Um, so it's, uh, there's a lot of numbers in it as far as the, the putting down of, of various tiles and everything. So that's suburbia. Sounds like that old computer oh, game yeah. Sim City. I was going to yeah. say theme park tycoon okay. too. Oh yeah, and the the original one. One of the greatest things you could do was make this really awesome roller coaster, but at the end of it, it would launch people out of your park into your rival's <laughs> park. So it would they would crash in the, your rival's park, and it would count as he killed them. So yeah, it was great. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> all right and so then i played uh my little scythe uh played one game with my wife and daughter and um uh, fun was had there was a there was a, a rule that my my daughter did not realize she had in her um her personality card which is kind of a little added effect that that each player gets that will help them gain trophies uh, she did not realize that she could uh, do that, or she had the means to do it, but didn't. Um, and so she was a, a little disappointed that she had had lost, basically because she had forgotten about that. But we actually played this on um, New Year's Eve without her. So, you know, imagine four old dudes sitting around pushing little little pony and and. Uh, and monkey figures around playing my little side. Um, and so we played through that and <laughs> I said, well, it's a combination of, of side and my little pony. And the one guy goes like, Oh, <laughs> I don't know how this is going to work. But I mean, it's, and I've, Rich, I believe you said this before on its, on its face, it's size. I mean, like yeah. everything that's it, it, all the same mechanics are there. And so when I was explaining the game to him, it's it's very easy to people that have, to explain to people that have played side before, like, well, okay, this is your friendship, and in side terms, this is your popularity. Or if uh, you know the spell cards, well, you know, in side terms, this is your combat cards that you play. So then we put it away, and I was about ready to to put it back on the shelf, and my wife said, "Oh, well, we'll give that a go." So then it, it got two playthroughs on on New Year's Eve. Uh, with no kids. And so then last night I went to a Keyforge tournament. And so I played, I actually, there were three rounds. It was a Swiss style format and I played, it was best of three, three times. So in theory, you could play nine games. I got to five. So I played two games and did not play the third one because that was decided for that first round. And then the second round, it was, for me, it was a loss-win-win. Win. Um, so we, uh, 
I won the second round and then it was getting pretty late and I had not planned on being out that late. So I, I left and I, I could have stuck around, but I didn't think I was going to place. Um, and the guy was playing against left too. So I figured, well, you know, it's nobody's losing out here. But one thing I didn't realize about Key Forge is that once you register your deck, you can play online against people, which what? makes total sense. Yeah. How can you? How do you do that? It's I. Some guy was talking about he played. Well, somebody has said, has anybody played against a four horseman deck? And everybody said no. He said, well, I played on the Crucible. So like, once you register your deck, it knows what all your cards are. And then I, they just have some kind of an engine there that, that will will match you up and you can play. I will say we're, I know we're not talking about I'm sorry, I what? Will say, I will say uh, we're not talking about the uh, Winona Ryder movie. Is that the Arthur Miller play? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, The Crucible. Yes, yes. Sorry. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> now he laughs. No, you terrible. lost me so so hard there. And so, related to KeyForge, I found a website called KeyForge Compendium. So if you register your KeyForge deck, then you can take that um, that URL and paste it into KeyForge Compendium, and it will kind of give you a kind of a, a, a meta rating of what your what your deck will do. Um, and so there's there's an FAQ there, and I don't think that the Compendium is is uh, an authorized site. It's you know it's a third party. Um, but, uh, that seemed like a pretty, pretty useful website. So that's Keyforge Compendium. Uh, and so moving on then another game we got for Christmas was a snow white game. We're heavy on the Disney. Um, so this is a, um, uh, pressure luck game where you're drawing gemstones out of a bag and you're getting particular combinations that will get you points. will get you pies essentially from from snow white uh if you draw two obsidian gems out of the bag then you you've had an accident and uh you have to go home so it's a pressure luck where you're drawing gemstones out of a bag and um so you you play the uh the dwarves and so on on christmas day we got our whole family like all five of us were playing playing this snow white game but it seems suitable for, for grown-ups, too. Yeah, I, I appreciate the Disney theme. I like it. And then I'm, I'm, I'm going to hang my head in shame here. Um, <laughs> I got a white elephant gift called the Logo Board Game. And it's, uh, yeah, I'm sure that all these companies would j- just love to have their, uh, um, their logos put all over the place. But it's, uh, so it's a trivia game about branding. So, it, like, the questions, the category was trees. And uh, what's the name of the, uh, of the fragrant cleaner that you use to clean your bathroom or something like that? Of course, it's pine saw. Pine saw, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's all these different various little things about, about logos and recognizing logos. And uh, so after we got it as a white elephant, the guy that gave it to us, a few days later had been on a website called the worst things for sale on the internet. And lo and behold, what was one of the worst things for sale on the internet was the logo board game. <laughs> Is it that bad? It's, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a mass market, uh, party game. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Sometimes those games, 
you know, it's nice to be able to take it to a family gathering and, you know, the presents are open. Everyone's already had dinner and you got a couple hours and people don't want to do anything too intense. But you if you break out a game like this, a lot of times that's a lot of fun. So mm-hmm. but we were if it's terrible, then it's dinner. terrible. <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah, we were just sitting around the, the dinner table and we're like, let's pull this out and see what this is. And there were no directions in it. So we just kind of made something up. Um, <laughs> But we found that, like, we don't have, really don't have broadcast television. We watch mostly Netflix. And, you know, we've got rabbit ears that will pull in a few stations, but we don't really do that. Um, my nine-year-old daughter was lost because she knew none of these um, uh, brand names or anything. Yeah. So, you're, you know, you're asking her questions about FedEx. Well, she has no idea. That's what brings and the th- toys. And so then I played Settlers of Catan. I played straight up white vanilla Settlers of Catan, which has been quite a while. After you so that was after you griped about it last last time we recorded. Did, did I gripe about Settlers? Yeah, I think we were talking about I know we were talking about something else and we talked about Settlers as an intro game and then you said something like and then they can play a better game. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. It's and it's it was we played it. It was uh, me and a friend and a kid that was about fifteen, um, and his dad. And you know it's 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 okay, but there's better games out there. Yeah, that's how I feel about it. My eighteen-year-old mm-hmm. really likes it though, so mm-hmm. we uh, we'll play it with her sometimes. Yeah, we uh, we still break it out. You know, the kids ask for it. They're like, "Hey, can we play Catan?" Yeah. I'm like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, got, in a, got in the game of Dominion, and then we were halfway through the game before we realized we only had nine Dominion cards, um, <laughs> which, which was all right. Um, and then I, I played a playtest, and I'm, this is my title for it. Uh, there was no title actually given. I'm calling it Federation Fixer. So it's a game where you move. There's a, you have an initial initial nine planets are down on the table and you play kind of troubleshooters that move across the, the board and fix things that, 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 uh, that come up. So like, um, each, uh, round you pull cubes out and you have to put them on various planets where you are not. Um, and those represent problems that are starting to crop up. So you can kind of see where there's, there's something happening on another planet. Well, somebody needs to get over there and deal with that. And there's different ways you can deal with the, um, the problems that are going on there. Um, and so you go to a planet and then you choose an action. So if there's alien warships on the board, maybe you're going to go someplace and build some ships. And then they have to oppose and there's a die roll. Um, but there's, it's a four player game. And so if you, if you play with less than four, you place a dummy cube that doesn't do anything, but it keeps bad stuff from happening. If you put that down. So there's, there's eight action spaces on the board and you cover up four of them. So like, this is the bad stuff that's not going to happen because there's somebody dealing with it. The other four things do do something. So that means add a cube onto the board somewhere or there's a warship that's popped up here and somebody needs to go deal with that. And so it's a, um, it still needs some work. 
it's uh, my friend Dana's. It's his uh, uh, play test, and um, it's semi-cooperative. And at any point, any other any of the players can say, "Okay, I'm going rogue, and I'm going to rebel." And so now you have to deal with me. I'm you know it's not aliens anymore. It's me. Uh, and so you can win as a team or win individually. Um, so anyway, Federation Fixer is kind of the, 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 the starting name. So are you who, – who's developing this? You or a friend or both or – friend, yeah. Okay. Friend Dana that I was, I was crowing about uh, Kalos last week. Okay. It's, 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 oh, okay. So no. what's the uh, – is he, is he just printing out – stuff right now and you've got you know sleeved pieces of paper or what's he got what's uh the status of the game right now it's yeah it's just it's in a it's it's, uh, seriously it's an alpha test so it's uh he's got a circle represents a planet and each there's four zones in the planet that each do something and so like if you um if you develop tech it can go into the new action area and will give you an added benefit too. Um, and so you're kind of, every time you discover a tech or discover a new planet or whatever, that counts as a, as a, a, a bit of good news. And you're trying to have more good news than bad news at the end of the game. So I don't know if it's going to run over several rounds. And then after that, you tally up and say, okay, well, we have five pieces of good news. We discovered these planets. And we have, you know, we've, we've made our, our FTL uh, technology better. And um, there's only been, you know, we've only, we've only destroyed the climate on two planets. So I think we're good. I don't know. It's, uh, it's a work in progress. So that's Sounds all interesting. Keep us, keep us updated on it. All right. Okay. On to Richard. All right. Richard, what you got? Yeah, so I mentioned last time, I think I had out on my radar, I was looking at Agricola, Master of Britain, a Hollenspiel uh, solitaire game. I got to play that a couple times over the last couple weeks, and I really enjoyed that. So um, you play uh, a, a Roman, it's a historical guy, his name was Agricola, he was the Roman general or consul, or I don't remember exactly what he was, but it was his job to keep the uh, the Isle of Britain in check. And you've got... I think four different tribes represented by blue, red, green, and yellow, I think, um, or in different areas of Britain. And you've got three different legions that you can, you know, move around and stomp the tribes into submission and you can go to war with them. You can bribe them to be on your side, but there's a really interesting mechanic where you've got basically three different cups and you sort of know what's in each cup, but you're not you don't actually get to look in each cup, but you've got friendly tribes, uh, unfriendly tribes, and hostile tribes. And any action that you take is going to require you to take some pieces out of one cup and put it into another cup. So you know you could take one action that tells you to take something from unfriendly and put it in friendly. But most of the things you're going to do are getting things the guys toward hostile. Which is, you know, the more you do, the the angrier they get at you, and then they put their pieces on the board. Eventually, they rebel against you, and you have to go fight them. So, um, it was a really interesting game. I enjoyed it. I messed up uh, a pretty major rule as far as the battles. 
which made it fairly easy for me to win. And anytime I win a solitaire game, like on the first try, I assume that I did something wrong. So I figured out what I did wrong and I played it again and it was, it was much harder the next time. So I need to go back and play it a third time, but it's definitely, um, like I've said before, I like games that are, have a, a very small footprint. This is definitely the case. I think the whole, the whole game is a, is two eight and a half, 11, eight and a half by 11 sheets of paper. Um, and then the counters that go with it. So small footprint, solitaire game takes uh, probably about two hours to play, less than two hours, I would guess. Uh, so that was fun. It's called Agricola Master of Britain, and it's from Hollenspiel. And then I mentioned earlier how my 18-year-old daughter loves to play Catan, and she she suggested that we play Catan a few days ago, and I, I honestly did not try to, but I must have made that face. And she goes, oh, you don't want to play that, do you? And I go, no, is there something else we can play? So she suggested that we play Paperback, which in my opinion was a much, much better suggestion. Um, have you guys played Paperback before? No, yeah. I've heard people talk about it. Yeah, it's my followers game. And I think you I think you have to get it from them. I think they only sell it on their website. I may be wrong about that, but that's how I got it anyway. Anyway, it's it's a deck builder. Um, so if you know anything about deck builders, you know, you all start with the same hand and you try to make your hand better over the course of the game. But it's a deck builder where you're actually spelling words. So you've got a bunch of letters out there. And the, the letters that you buy based on the words that you make are other letters. And sometimes they're two-letter combinations and things like that. Some of, the, some of the letters have actions to them, like if I make this into a word, it's, you know, I get an extra card in my hand or the card next to me is worth more, things like that. There's attack cards that you can play against other players. Um, in the end, it's a deck builder, but it's a really fun one, and we all enjoy playing it. So you said you had a story about that, Roy? Oh, I was I was at a a, um, a a little local con and where people would just bring their games, and I happened to see this. I just saw the box and I just started whistling paperback writer. Yeah. But and the guy that that owned the game, he's like, he looked over his shoulder at the at the game. He's like, are you whistling because of that? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I am. Yeah. <laughs> so we yeah. played paperback. <laughs> yeah, it's a fun game. So I have a copy I of it now. And yeah, my wife really loves it. She's into any sort of word games like Boggle and all those games. But I'm not a big fan of Boggle because um, mostly just because I can't keep up with her. But um, Paperback is that nice kind of center where it's got the deck builder aspect. It's got the word building aspect. And there's actually another game they have called Hardback. I haven't tried that one yet, but I think we're going to probably pick that one up at some point as well. And then I got to play a good old-fashioned Hex Encounter War game, which is unfortunately kind of rare for me lately. Um, I had last Saturday open, and I just put an email out to my, my gaming group and said, I really want to play some sort of Hex Encounter War game. So I had a friend come over. We played at any cost Mets 1870. It's a Franco-Prussian war game. I've played it before, but it's been a, probably a few months since I played it, so we kind of kind of dig back into the rule book just to remember the the little bits of it it's a chit pull game it's got um actions 
that you can pull. So not only not only can you pull out a unit to activate, but there's chits in there that allow you to do special things like getting extra shots or sometimes even forcing your opponent to move and things like that. It's a really fun game. Uh, I think, Adam, you were talking earlier, I think you were talking about Saga, and you said the rulebook wasn't very good. And right. The Mets rulebook is easy to understand, but the big problem I have with it is that there's no table of contents. So it's hard to f- look up a rule if you're looking for something specific like, okay, I know this guy has to take a break test. Now I have to flip through the rulebook and figure out what break test means and how it works. So um, great game. It needs a table of contents in the rulebook, though. And that's at any cost, Mets, 1870. And then on New Year's Eve, I got to play Captain Sonar. Uh, I think I talked about this one last year. Um, I own that. Do you? And want want to play it, but the problem is the number of players. Exactly. So it really, really needs eight players to play, which is why I took so long to buy it. And the only reason I bought it is because I was taken to a New Year's Eve party, and I knew I would have a chance to play it. But... When I opened up the rulebook, there actually is a two-player variant in there that looks like it might be viable. I haven't tried it yet, but I think it's worth it to at least give it a try. But in any case, now, did you kept... play it in real time? No, because so we actually had nine people at our New Year's Eve party, oh. and I was the only one that knew how to play. So I basically mm-hmm. helped out both teams and let them play it turn by turn. Um, and about half of them really loved it. And about half of them thought it was the most frustrating thing and couldn't wait to put it away. So, um, But it was really entertaining for me watching it because I knew where both of the ships were. And I, you know, uh, just for the listeners out there who don't know anything about it, it's two teams. Each team has up to four players and really should have four because there's four roles on the team. There's the captain the radio operator, the first mate, and the engineer. And every player has his own role of what he's supposed to be doing. And you're supposed to try to find out where the marine is, sink them, and kill them all. Um, But they were so close to each other, and they were trying to track each other, and they would would miss things here and there and be off by one square. And, you know, it was – I could understand why they were frustrating, but it was funny for me playing in sort of god mode where I knew where each of them were. Um, it takes probably an hour to play a game if you know what you're doing, but if you really don't know what you're doing and you're just floundering around, it could go an hour and a half to two hours, in which case you're probably just going to get frustrated. So it's a really fun game, but I think you might, you might have to have the right group of people. We definitely had some people that were frustrated and not enjoying it on New Year's Eve, even though, even though I love the game, I play it all the time. There is uh, – I played this last uh, Dice Tower Con. Yeah. And uh, we played with – it was four on one side and three on the other. Okay. I was the captain, and uh, my wife was eventually was enraged at me that I was not doing it correctly. <laughs> so I think it would be a fun game. But, yeah, I, I agree with you. It really does need eight players. Yeah. Um, we'll have to team up the three of us with somebody else, maybe with my wife, and play uh, Captain Sonar at Dice Tower Con. Yeah. Sounds good to me. I'll play. And right. uh, okay. my 18-year-old daughter, she'll be there too, and I know she enjoyed playing. Oh, yeah. It, so. Okay. Yes, yeah, so that one's called Captain Sonar. Uh, and the uh-huh. last game I played, I actually just played this one last night with my wife. We went out to Starbucks and just hung out together, and we played Fox in the Forest. Have you played this one? 
No, I really I've almost bought it a couple of times. Yeah, it's a it's a very small game. I mean, it's probably like fifteen bucks or something. It's it's super cheap. It's a card game. It's thirty three cards is the whole game, um, but it's a lot of fun. It's 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 a trick taking game for only two people. There's three suits, eleven cards in each suit, but you don't you only get dealt. Each player gets thirteen, so there's always seven cards left over, and you don't not quite know what's there. But um, there's always one suit that's trump. And then the the neat thing about this game is all of the odd number cards have some special ability to them. So one, three, five, seven, nine of each suit all have some sort of ability printed on the card that changes the game a little bit. So in other words, if you play an 11, the, uh, the other player is forced to either play their highest card of that suit or the one if they have it. And, you know, there's some cards that let you change trump. There's some chart cards that let you draw from that draw pile and put a card back in. Um, and then the other really interesting thing is, uh, I don't know if you play many trick-taking games, but a lot of people... Um, like I, I grew up playing a game called Go to Hell Bridge or Oh Hell Bridge, um, and I always enjoyed trying not to take any suits at all. In this game, if you can do that, in fact, if you can force your opponent to take, I think it's more than 10, then they're considered to be too greedy and they get no points at all. So that's kind of fun, too. Um, it's a very, very small, simple trick-taking game, but... Uh, for a two-player game, it's it's a lot of fun. We both enjoyed it, and that's called Fox in the Forest. So uh, the next thing we have is What's on Your Radar, where we talk about things that we have discovered. And um, the first thing we have on here is Fallen Frontiers, the battle for Hextrom 6. I had to I had to add it up. It's V-I, so it's 6. <laughs> yeah, Hec- and, Hextrom uh, yeah, 5 it, it, is not worth fighting over. Yeah, yeah, it always kills me, you know, like how they come up with uh, these different um, names. It's like, well, what do we call it? Let's call it Hextron. It's kind of like we take a syllable and then take another syllable and we stick them together. And we're like, well, it can't just be the first one. Let's we, You know, it has to be the the sixth one. It's the same way you name uh, uh, over-the-counter drugs, like, <laughs> like pharmaceutical company. Yeah, yeah, except I'm sure they have, like, <laughs> uh, people they employ – yeah. Uh, to do it more, but this is uh this is a thirty five millimeter. Uh, so you know it's it's a little big, sort of, or I would argue that it's sort of around the same size as uh, GW stuff, because theirs is supposed to be twenty eight, but it's ridiculously bigger. And uh, you know, I just kind of always talk about different, especially new science fiction uh games, and this one looks. Uh, you know, looking at the, the, the artwork, you know, is a little bit, just the, the, the lady and the red and the armor, it, eh, I was like, yeah, that kind of looks a little too much like a space marine, but, and, which is copyrighted. I don't even know if I'm allowed to say <laughs> it. Um, not but, a fan uh, of the boob yeah. armor. Yeah. And this, it, cause it's unrealistic. Cause I mean, I'm sure, you know, women stick their breasts into you know, holes in the, in the arm. Yeah, it's it's armor and a bra. I don't know. <laughs> but, I'm, yeah. At, le- well, at least, Roy, that she's actually wearing clothes. You know, she, she could just be in, like, a tiny chainmail bikini, dual-welding, you know, guns. Instead, she is in armor, so we'll give her that. Yeah, well. So, uh, yeah, I just try to talk about uh, different science fiction games when they come out. Because, you know, it's 40K is the big bad, you know. 
And uh, this is a Spanish uh, game. comes from Spain, so I was just going to mention it here. And this is Fallen Frontiers. You can see it at fallenfrontiers.com or in the show notes. Now, the, show. the little uh, the YouTube video, I watched this before uh, we started recording, and it talks about, and there's a blurb there, it says November 2014. So Yeah, it was kickstarted then. It's now okay. available. Gotcha. Uh, All right. At, at, yeah, I can actually like run the audio for that thing now. It was really neat because it just. Mm -hmm. Is there any history to this IP, or is this just something someone came up with? I don't know. I couldn't find anything uh, other than hey, somebody came up with this. Okay. You know, and yeah, because I actually you click on the Kickstarter itself, and well, it, I mean, it says I don't know. This this is one of those weird things. This was a hundred nine thousand uh, dollar Kickstarter. And it says they were based out of Round Rock, Texas. And uh, apparently it was supposed to deliver in 2015. And maybe it did, but it, it's, you could just actually get it now, currently, um, at retail. But the forum is in Spanish. And, like, the, the Twitter and all that stuff is in Spanish. So, um... You know, there you go. I don't. I don't know. I mean, maybe they live in Texas and they just speak Spanish. I'm sure people there do, and I don't know. But yes, um, regardless, yeah, it's of sort of neat. It's it's sort of sort of a neat thing. It's uh, it's a box game, so there's that, or you can buy the individual factions. So there you go. The next thing we had was Dark Venture, an adventure card game. Now this, I'm always like trolling around for. Um, dungeon crawl games and uh this was actually mentioned uh where somebody was talking about dungeon degenerates it was just this total like throwback artwork type stuff and i looked at it and i you know i'm a big fan of kind of like minimalist type dungeon crawls at least with small components but i'll tell you from playing dungeon degenerates it's like the actual play area Two and a half times more than the play area was the freaking fiddly bits. All the cards and stuff that you had to draw and stuff. And it seems like there's a lot with this one. But I just, I dig this. It's small. I dig the artwork on it. And uh, it just looks really cool. Yeah, this and, one, and, uh, it does look interesting. Like you said, though, the play area kind of reminds me of Gloomhaven. Where the actual board isn't that big, but the game's still going to take up your whole table. That's true. Yeah, every time I've seen Gloomhaven played, it's like, oh, look, this is this. It's friggin' enormous. <laughs> uh, so you know, so yeah, there you go. It's uh, it's I I actually, if this thing doesn't, I've asked a guy and haven't heard back. If it if it's not going to retail, I will probably go ahead and um, pre-order it and uh, get a copy. It's from Rob Lemon, is his name. And uh, he is a board, card, and video game publisher. He previously created Galactic Keep for Gilded Skull Games and helped design video games and toys for Nickelodeon. So, there you go. <laughs> so, the next thing we had, um, this is, uh, how do you pronounce this? This is Onus? Onus, yeah. But shouldn't I yell it? Because it has an exclamation point. And it's in all capitals. So yes, you have yeah. to yell it. It's like, Onus! <laughs> Rome versus Carthage. This is a game that came out in 2014, but I just saw it mentioned uh, recently when I was poking around at uh, different Ancients games. 
And this one looks a lot like a 15mm Ancients game, only your armies are just on a card. That's it. I, I really dig that. Um, there are a few games out there that have tried this gimmick, but um, the ones I can think of offhand are like for Napoleonics and stuff like this. So this is kind of cool to me that it's, you know, they're doing this ancient style, and it uh, it just re- looks really neat. Have you guys heard of this at all? I have not, but it, it looks like no. it's right up my alley. I would love to play this if I if I saw it somewhere. This is a um, a Spanish game, I believe, from where I uh, you go to Onus Game, and that is O N U S Game dot com, and uh, it looks like it is. It asked me to translate it from Spanish whenever I go to it. So um, yeah, it it looks like it was made there, but I see people talk about it on Board Game Geek, so I feel like it has been. Uh, you know, you can get it places, and apparently it's in its second edition as well. Uh, there's a used copy on Board Game Geek uh, in the second edition from which was 2016 for $25, and there's an eBay listing for it for 66. So <laughs> I don't know. So uh, it I don't know. I, I think I would play this because you know I have all the mats, you know, and and all that kind of stuff. It says it comes with 90 different unit cards, you and you have order cards and all this fun stuff. Over a, a dice bag. Ooh, you know, nobody has dice bags. <laughs> also comes with eight dice. Nobody has dice. They have to defend that. So, I don't know. I'm just going to bring it to your attention. Maybe you're listening and you're like, oh my gosh, I love that game. Or, hey, I created that game. I should call in. Yeah, you should. Anyway, the next thing I had is a Kickstarter. And at, as of the time that you read this, you should be able to uh, hop on this. And you can see it in the show notes if you really like it. This is Adventure Post. A Path of Self-Learning. This is a 12-week-long, Ultima-themed, tabletop adventure delivered to your door via postcard. And I just thought that was a cool gimmick. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting idea. I like like anything that sounds different. So, yeah. Now, I remember a lot of old-timers when I was coming up as a young gamer talking about playing games by mail. Like, that was, like, a thing. Like, it, it was, like, hex and counter games, too. Sure. You know, like just, just like, what, whatever, you know, it it, it was. Um, people would be like, well, hey, uh, you know, I'm, we're playing Starfleet Battles or whatever, and we're going to set all this up, and um, there you go. And, okay, I moved here and that. I honestly don't know how it worked. I can, I could just see these guys sitting around, you know, smoking pipes, drinking, um, you know, total madman style, typing it out. Or maybe no, they had their secretaries type it out. Tell him I'm moving to sector four, <laughs> and I have rolled a sixteen on my three dice, and you will need to initial it there where I, you saw it. It I rolled that, but I didn't see it. Shut up. Yes, you did. If you want to raise, yeah. That's why I imagine it happened. I don't know. I guess I should ask around. I still know a few older guys. Ask them, like, what was it like to play by mail? To play a game by mail? Uh, there are a few games on Vassal and stuff like that, as I understand it, that will do a play by email. Oh, it's and it's have... not a few. There's a ton. I have, right now, I have two different play by, no, three different play by email games going. Right now, I'm playing Here I Stand. 
uh, Unconditional Surrender Europe and Pendragon all play by email. Okay. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's interesting. So how does it work? Do you just get like an email that tells like, okay, the guy did this, or does it actually move the board and then you know you get a notification that a move so, uh, a move has been so Vassal will do a couple different types of files. One will do a save game file where it just saves the state of the game. Um, but it'll also do a log file, which will click through your steps. So if I, you know, move my guy these 12 hexes, and then I show that I fight this battle, and it shows the die roll and everything, then then I will send my opponent the log file, and he'll be able to click through it line by line and see exactly what happened all along the way. When it gets to the bottom of the log file, so my last move. Uh, it'll ask him if he wants to create a new log file, and he will do the exact same thing. He will make his move. He will close his log file and send it to me. So uh, usually if it's a two-player game, we'll often just email each other the log files directly. If it's a multiplayer game, usually we just all share a Dropbox or possibly a, a Google Drive or something. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but I have a number of wargaming friends that I have never met and may never meet, but um, I, I I know them and I've been playing games with them for a while. So yeah. But yeah, yeah back back to this. Uh, just be, and this is like a role playing kind of dungeon crawl thing. Being able to like get like a uh, a thing in the mail with a postcard and you know whatever. It, I mean, a postcard itself is very esoteric. So you know, just just kind of neat. Uh, Roy, have you done any play-by email or anything like that? Uh, no, sir. Nah, me neither. Well, that's not like... I, I think people are doing like some role-playing. I've seen that like via forum posts or uh, Discord servers. Yeah. Now, you know, I've seen people do that. But um... Yeah, I've tried those and I have not had good experiences with them for the most part. Um, role-playing is something that is... I mean, even... Any gaming is better face by face, but face to face. But role playing, I will only do face to face. I've done a little bit of, of uh, forum posting, uh, role playing. To me, it seems like that would work well. Has it worked all right for you, Roy? It's it's been quite a while. It was like back before I could find any um, any players. Is when I did it. So. Hmm. I don't know. I've never tried it. It seems like Discord or something like that would work really well, but I don't know. We'll we'll, we'll see. <laughs> uh, the next thing we had, this is the weirdest damn thing ever, and I discovered it. Um, this is Carnage and Glory 2. This is um, a rule set. It's currently in development. It's uh, it, it is a rule set... Uh, for play in Grand Tactical and Tactical Different Systems for, uh, like, Napoleonics and whatnot. But it's all the rules and stuff like that, and everything is ran by a computer program. Mm -hmm. It's it's also got, like, a pike and shot thing, you know, and that's kind of, like, where I ran into it. I was actually looking for a uh, a Renaissance, a 15-millimeter Renaissance rules. And uh, somebody posted this, and this to me, this is the strangest thing ever. Uh, apparently, it was begun in development on DOS in like 1987, and uh, I think the last revision of it was in 2017. And um, it, to me, it's just 
yeah, this is so freaking strange to me. It's you'll actually download it, and you'll install it, and in looking at like the screenshots of it, it it really looks kind of like a Windows ninety five type thing, you know, just with the the different drop down menus and and whatnot that you actually do. But um, yeah, it's just yeah, I this was very strange to me. I never ever would have thought like people are pushing miniatures and they're like, hold on, let me go over to the laptop and see how you did, you know. Uh, but yeah, here we are. Yeah, and I'm I'm assuming this is just somebody's baby. You know, that, you know, he was like, well, I'll just, you know, computerize all this stuff. Back in 1987, when I was 11 years old, this guy, this old Grognard guy, whoever he may be, I'm, or girl. Yeah, maybe. I'm sure that's what it is, because I've done things like that before, back when I did more programming. I, I don't do that much programming anymore, but um, there have been times I'd be like, well, I'm just going to write a program to do this, because it'll just be easier. So this this looks like he did exactly that, which is probably amazing for him and his friend. But it's like you said, do, do they actually – is this something where they each have a table set up on their house and the computer is letting them know what moves were made and what – you know how the battles played out? Because it doesn't look like something that is basically just a computer game. It looks like the computer is just the medium. Yeah, it's it the it just decides like what you do. Yeah. Like, you know, hey, I I moved over here or whatever and yeah, so uh but I did not expect to to run into this that yeah, somebody was still and yeah, it's it's very dated, but there are honestly a few of these type games like for like uh naval battles, for like modern naval and and stuff like that. And uh, what is like the the super big one is like uh, Gary Grigsby's. Um, yeah, uh, he did the... Gary Grigsby War in the East and War in the West. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. These are like big ones, and like you know, it's like 2019 now, and you take a look at the interface and stuff like that, and it really looks kind of dated. But it's like this super complex, you know, game with all these different, you know, whatnot you can get. And if you print out the manual, it's like 900 pages long. Yeah. Back. <laughs> yeah, I got so. Operational Art of War 4 when it came out uh, last year, I think, or maybe two years ago. Uh, I played 3 when I was, a, like, not a kid, but probably a teenager or something. That tells you how long it's been between 3 and 4. Um, but, yeah, it's got a huge, thick manual, and the the interface still looks like it was written in 1990. And so it, it's interesting. <laughs> so, um yeah, so more power to this guy wherever he is. So there you go. Uh, and I think the last thing we had on what's on your radar was uh, they shall not grow old. Have you guys seen this? I have not. So it showed a couple times last month, and I didn't have a chance to see it. But it's going to show one more time at least. It may show more after that, but on Martin Luther King Day on January 21st. So I'm going to go see it that day. I may have to check this out too. Yeah, it's, put uh, in your zip code and town. you'll be able to see. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. So it, it just looks amazing to me, and I, I really was disappointed that I didn't have a chance to see it in December. So as soon as I heard that they were going to show it a third time, I was all over that. All right. Yeah, I I am – yes, I, uh, I'm so excited. It's coming to my town because um, the one in December did not come to my town. Really? Um, yes. Yes. Uh, I, for whatever reason, it came, it came to the town 
over. And my town is much bigger. It's a much nicer theater. You know, and they do Fathom events all the freaking time. You know, all this different stuff. And, uh, yeah, I was super disappointed that it didn't come. And I'm like, ugh, I don't want to drive over there. Yeah. And then, like, then I heard it, it was going kind of on a wide release. And, yes, it will be at my... Uh, at the Grandview Cinema in Madison, Mississippi. Yeah, so if anybody doesn't know what this is, it's uh, World War One actual footage that has been restored and colorized and turned into a, a documentary by Peter Jackson, who is uh, obviously the guy that did the Lord of the Rings movies as, as well as a bunch of other movies. So um, it's it only it originally came out in in November, November 11th, the 100-year anniversary, but only in England, and then it came to the United States last month. So, Well, you know, uh, thank you very much, Richard, for explaining that. I just realized that no one knows what we're yeah. talking about, what we're <laughs> super excited about. Oh, we'll put this on here. This is what it is. And people are listening like, what the hell are they talking about? You know, <laughs> I don't know. I can't see that. I'm not there. But, yeah, man, I'm, I think I'm going to try to uh, get my gaming group to all go we can all go together that's exactly what you we're know, doing at, stl war gamers is going to meet up and see it that evening and sounds like at least half of us are bringing the wives too so it'll be fun now um i'm showing for whatever reason there's a 3d option i saw that too and i don't want any part of that i'm i'm just seeing the regular one <laughs> yeah I, what is this witchcraft <laughs> yeah yeah i know right it's like, stop trying to make that a thing, you know? It's not a thing. Stop. I, I will say, though, and I have no idea if this is even a thing for this particular movie, but the modern movies have these amazing sound systems. You know, their surround sound in the modern movie theater is like nothing. You know, the last few years, it's really become a, a cool thing. If they are able to incorporate these artillery barrages into the modern sound system, I think this is going to be like... One of those moments that really transports you onto the battlefield. Because I've you know, heard you read that, the stories. Uh, they, that's what the people talk about is how the artillery barrages are just like nothing that. I mean, honestly, up until that point in human history, no one had ever experienced that at all. World War One is where shell shock became a thing. Yeah, it yeah it was a horrific horrific uh, way of fighting everything. Yeah, I I've always been obsessed with World War One. In fact, I'm uh, I'm building my uh, my Imperial Guard army for 40k based <laughs> on uh, French uh, uh, the way the French looked at the beginning in, in red in, pants, blue yeah, jackets, <laughs> the the horizon blue yeah. uh, thing. I absolutely I, I'm doing that, and um, yeah, I'm doing that their camouflage, all that good stuff, and uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's really fascinating to me, and. Uh, the Battle of Verdun, especially, yeah. is I just found that fascinating, and I've talked about it on the show before. And uh, yeah, so now that this is coming, I will absolutely, absolutely be there. And I think, yeah, I think I'll do a, a 7 p.m. showing. Just I'll be off work, lucky me, but uh, I'll, uh, yeah, we'll do the seven instead of the one, just in case, mm -hmm. so people can see it. <laughs> hey, I happen to see. Speaking of uh, the artillery barrages, I happen to see on Reddit. Uh, somebody was asking about the sound of the dive bombers. Like, do, do planes actually make that sound? In World um, War II, the Stukas, yeah. Yeah, in World War II. The, the, yeah. And so they, somebody kind of broke it down. It's called a Jericho trumpet. Yeah, so they actually a had a mountain on the side of the planes, right. Yeah. 
So it's it's a, a, a psychological warfare thing that as the as yep. the Stuka would go into the dive bomb or into the dive, it would this this little propeller would wind up and it was a siren and it was a a, a psychological warfare thing to make people run. Yeah, absolutely. So and that sound then is kind of the the stock clip that they use for like all airplanes now in um, in films. Yeah. Like the Wilhelm scream. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh. Which reminds me of, I also discovered this recently on Reddit. Apparently, there is a horse version of the Wilhelm scream. <laughs> I had no idea the dumb stuff you find on the internet, but apparently it's it's not even a... Because the person that posted it was like, look, I'm a horse person, and I can tell you that horses don't actually <laughs> sound like that. So, you know, and this is something you hear in movies over and over again. That's just it, This was recorded by a dog or something, you know, and uh, yeah. Well, I'm going to have to so, look that up now. <laughs> I'm reminded of the scene in Blazing Saddles when uh, Mongo punches the horse. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Mongo just pawn in Game of Life. <laughs> so, moving on. Uh, somebody's mentioned here uh, painting Star Wars figures. I will say I have a guy in my uh, local club that is fired up about getting Legion off the ground. And as soon as we move over to the new um, shop, which will be in March, he wants to heavily start doing... Uh, demos and all the stuff for it so ah. i'm hoping it gets off the ground so that's from me uh, i finally got around to painting star wars figures so i'm i have han and most of the commandos painted and the atrt is painted now um so i'm like i kept telling myself i want to play this game <laughs> and dang it all i gotta get stuff painted so i've been i've been painting stuff now um so I keep hearing about something called a wet palette. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, now, so Adam, you don't paint at all. Is that right? Right. But I am familiar with it. I've okay. heard uh, people talk about it. Now, Rich, do you use one of those? I do. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Only, only because when I first started painting, a lot of people said, you know, wet palettes are one of those things that everyone wishes they had started earlier. So I just started using it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I just made my own. I used like a, a piece of not not Tupperware brand, but a piece of Tupperware with some wet paper towels and a piece of parchment paper on top of that. And that's yes. my wet. So I, yeah, I got onto YouTube and I watched a YouTube video about and it's, that's exactly the recipe for it. Yep. Um, and um, so I've been using little like condiment cups, those little uh, plastic like you put ketchup in. Uh huh. Um, well, so, like, the paint sits, and then it's dry, and I can't use it anymore. Um, so, it, like, I can just put the lid on this wet palette, and I still have wet paint there. And I just started this this morning, actually. Um, but, I, yeah, I use wet palettes. That's kind yeah. of, that's, that's all I'm going to say about it. Um, yeah, they're nice. I will say they're... They're super simple. Yeah, like, if you're painting... You know, if you, if you just picked up two boxes of fleet troopers or whatever, and those are going to take you a while to paint, that's, you know, that's where the wet palettes are really nice. If you're painting Han and you're not going to be using that much paint and you're just going to be focusing on him, 
you probably don't need them as much, but they are useful for painting a bunch of troopers, which as far as personally, I, I don't enjoy painting large groups of troopers, even if they're a little different, each one like they are in Legion. Um, I do really enjoy painting Han and Luke and Leia. And I've got right now I've got Han and Chewie primed and ready to go. I just need to find time Mm -hmm. to paint them. So I enjoyed painting Luke though, because I've got, I've got two different Lukes. So I painted one with the khakis and the, the blue saber. And I painted the other one wearing black with the green saber. So, Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, I was going to talk about color schemes now, too. Um, you know, and it's, do you guys have a particular, do you, do you paint your units different colors? Because we're I talking do. about Rebels here. Yes, I do. Okay. I paint, I paint each unit with, with a different color scheme to it. And, and mm-hmm. they're, so that they're easy to tell apart on the battlefield. Okay. Well, and it's, you know, I guess one of the things I was thinking about is, um, so my ATRT that I've painted now is a sand color and I put it on a sand base, but I painted two of the legs or two, some of the leg segments, like an olive green color. Mm-hmm. Um, because in the fluff, they talk about how the ATRT is old tech from the clone wars. Oh yeah. And so, um, thinking about creating a story for, um, various figures like well so why is this like this well why are the legs green the well so my story then is that the atrt this particular one um had been disabled from a blaster shot and then they um they it's old tech so they salvaged it they don't make them anymore so they salvaged some parts from another one and i thought well we really need to get it on the battlefield so we're not going to repaint it so that's why it's got the you know some of the paint doesn't match so, you know, if you're when you're painting your figures, think about what's the history so, that is uh, in this figure up to now. So, Roy, have you heard of Gathering Legions? No. So I don't have a lot of details on it, but I would I would encourage you to Google it because it sounds like it'd be right up your alley. Um, a guy is developing sort of a campaign mode for Star Wars Legions. It's called Gathering Legions. And, okay. you know, it involves like backstories and giving guys special abilities and stuff like that. So it sounds like something would be up your alley. Mm, OK. The um, so like the in the commandos, um, like I say, each figure is a little bit different. So I'm thinking, well, you know, this is a rebel army, so not everything's a standardized uh, kind of gear. So, you know, some of the color schemes are a little bit different. You know the underclothes are are different. Of course, everybody has a has the the poncho, which I've painted an olive green with some. Um, uh, there's a particular orange color I quite like, so I've been dry brushing some orange over that too, to make kind of a camo scheme going on. But so like all of the, some of the other stuff is kind of um, unique to that particular figure. So some have blue pants, some have have uh, beige pants or whatever. Mm. And I need glasses. Yeah, I take my glasses off when I paint. Okay. So it's easier um, for me to just take them off, and I, you know, I turn on all the brightest lights around the table, and just take my glasses off when I paint. It's easier. Uh, I, I paint in the, I the basement amongst the Christmas decorations. I switched to um, bifocals last year, although it it improved my life, you know, drastically. But uh, I I feel terrible. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm like, oh no, I've gotten old. I'm yeah, in falling apart. Now. Yep. Yeah. Boy. And then uh, so, I wanted to talk about logging. Uh, well, keeping track of the games that you've played this year. So my wife has decided that she wants to put a little index card in each box with uh, little details on when and how it was played, you know, who won and everything. And I don't, she may be planning on at the end of the year, anything that doesn't have a note card gets uh, um, sent to consignment or something. I don't know. But uh, just a suggestion that you, you know, every game, every time you play a game, you uh, stick a note card in there with the date and who played it and who won and everything. Yeah, I, I log everything on Board Game Geek, um, but I don't use the notes to say who played and who won and all that. I just I just log it all on there so I can at least see when I played and how many times I played. Yeah, I I know people that and of course they're they're regular board gamers, whatever you call those. They're, they're non war gamers um, that obsessively like record like in notebooks like what they played, when they played, like, who won, you know, what they did, and, like, how they could, you know, improve in the future. I don't know if they actually go back and, like, read these things <laughs> or, you know, whatever. Maybe they sum them up. I, I don't know. I but. do that a little, not not completely obsessively, but I do keep notes on Advanced Squad later. Um, that's that's one of the few that I will, you know, mark what my strategy was, what 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 went wrong. Usually, never it never goes right for me, but at least what went wrong. So, because I I'm still you know I've been playing ASL for a couple of years now, and that's that's a newbie for ASL. These guys have all been playing for 30 years. So, um, if I can pick up on my mistakes and say, hey, I need to remember to do this next time, it will make me a better player. And uh, I guess we're on the news. Where are we in news? Yes. Yeah. Yep. We've made it in news. Yes. All right, so uh, yeah, uh, BattleTech is putting out a couple of new box sets. I know my locals are really excited about this, and they they've reduced the cost of like one beginner box set to be just like twenty bucks. And I kind of think this is a really good move because I mean, if MSRP is twenty bucks, you know, you should be able to get this for sixteen minimum. You know, pro- probably cheaper than that uh, from your other store. And it comes with two uh, miniatures. Uh, the Quick Start rule book, uh, the rules, you get a little 48-page uh, novella, uh, some guides to pilot cards, and one map. I really... And it says that there's a punch board of additional mechs, which, I mean, I think that's how, honestly, how I got started when I was, like, 15 or 16. Uh, all it had was these little stand standees that you just punched out and you put in the little plastic thing and that's how you played it. I was telling this story uh, last weekend. Um, I think that's a great idea on, to get people into the game. It, it really I mean, is. If, if, if you think you've got a game that people yeah. want to buy and their concern is entry-level price point, give them standees and give them the rules for free and pretty soon they'll be buying your plastic. Yeah, not not to mention it comes with two miniatures that you could look at those and go, Daggum, yeah. this looks cool. But uh, the story of me getting into Battletech, um, I was, gosh, four, somewhere between 14 and 16, and we had a school um, field trip. You know, it was one of those field trips where you end up at the mall. You know, I know you kids that are listening to this don't know what a mall is. <laughs> But um, <laughs> it, it was basic. It was basically like you know, Amazon was a building, and everything was expensive. 
Um, so, and there was food in this place called a food court. And Watch you didn't Kevin have Smith's to pee in the, in the Coke bottle. They had yeah, bathroom. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Watch Kevin Smith's Mall Rats. You'll understand what a mall is. <laughs> anyway, so we go to this mall. It's a sale mall. And, uh, Sorry. <laughs> And, and uh, yeah, a sip of my soda. Uh, stink palm, the guy. Yeah, I, lo- I fucking love that movie. Uh, it's my favorite. Uh, there was a bookstore. I think it was actually a book land, if you guys remember those. That's even older. Um, and uh, my friend shoplifted the Battletech starter box. I, you know, I look, it's not, it's not me. I didn't, I didn't do it. So I'm, you know, I'm yeah, not saying I'm friend. proud of him for, for doing this. I swear. No, no, no. I would, I would tell you if I did it, I'd be like, look, uh, I stole this. No, but no, my, my friend Chad shoplifted the Battletech star, uh, starter box. You're just and an accessory. it wasn't until we, oh, I didn't know until we like got back on the bus. Oh. You know, and it's like, hey, what'd you get? And I, you know, I bought like cassette singles. You know, I think you know for like uh, Motley Crue and stuff like that. I, I you know, bought a Guns N' Roses album, whatever, uh, on cassette, of course. And uh, he was like, I got this, and pulls out this huge BattleTech box set, and I'm like, what the? You know, and he's like, I just I stuck it in my jacket, and so we started playing <laughs> from there. Not that I condone shoplifting kids. I mean, you, if you could find them all, they probably have cameras and stuff now, so I don't shoplift, you know. And besides, at 20 bucks, there's no reason to shoplift. You know, this is a really good value. You should get this. So the other box set they have is um, it's it's priced at kind of where the, the last one was that they did, um, and it's just called a game of armored combat. You get eight miniatures with it. You get, uh, looks like the, a bigger, you get the full-ish rule book. I don't know. See, that whole thing is weird. Because you got a 24-page quick start rule, a 24 page quick start rule book with the previous one. This was a 48-page uh, rule book. I'm looking over at my actual Battletech rule book, uh, Total Warfare, and it is a hell of a lot more than 48 pages. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm thinking that's not like the whole one. And you get, like, the cards and whatnot. You get two maps and additional mechs. And, oh, two dice, just in case you needed them. (laughs) You know, two dice. Uh, Looking at this, I don't know if this is that great of a value in the sense that you only get, like, two um, maps. Look, uh, the previous one they, uh, they did that's been out of print for a while... They did uh, probably four or five years ago. It was like these heavy. Uh, it was the, the maps were bound like a uh, board game mat. You know, they were like that, and they had all these extra components that you could stick on it. Uh, and I, it came with miniatures, but maybe not this many. Of course, this is their new ones, which are much better quality. Trust me when I tell you that. Um, Whomever has been holds the uh, BattleTech license, they have struggled trying to uh, come up with plastic mechs that look good because the original ones look like shit, and uh, these look fantastic, and they're probably resin. So you know, there you go. So I would say yes to the twenty dollar box set if you if you want to try out this game, Richard Roy. I I implore you. You know, buy this, you know, get it. You know, hell, I may even reach out to Catalyst and be like, hey, can I get a review? Can I get two review copies? I have two um, 
two uh, co-hosts that <laughs> want to do this. And uh, I employ, yeah, 20 bucks at that price point. Uh, you know, miniature market, 15 bucks. Get this. Try it. I love this game. This was like the very first war game I ever played, the very first miniature game I ever played. It has a huge, huge, rich backstory and lore you know and if you really want to get a taste for the game go on steam right now and uh buy the battletech uh video game uh the last one that came out it is a perfect representation of the game and how it plays it's hex you know i mean rich you should love this it's less complex than um asl and uh yeah it's hex you know you can move around and stuff like that it's like your World War II guys had a jump pack and he he flew and kicked a guy in the head. Well, you you almost had me at hex. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the next thing we had was the art of the miniature miniature art tutorial book. Yeah, I happened to see this on Kickstarter uh, just a little bit ago, and so the uh, we're in the final hours of the uh, of the the campaign. And I, I don't know, after something is concluded, can some people jump in after the, after the conclusion? If it's, uh, if it's funded? Yeah, usually you can actually, I know by the time people hear this, this thing will be over, Mm -hmm. but you can, I'll post the link in the show notes and usually they will open up the, um, the backer, the backer kit or whatever will open up towards uh right when they get closer to shipping and allow people to actually order it okay if, if they want to yeah this was a the, the guy wanted uh 5600 as of this as i 14 hours to go oh he has 25 grand is what he um order uh got and uh yeah it looks really good yeah so it's a it's a it's a I, book and tutorial there's some uh i believe it comes with some figures um but yeah, it kind of gives all the um, all the deets about you know how to how to improve your painting. Yeah, you can get uh, brushes for sure. Uh, it and then oh yeah, and there's a set of eight miniatures as a possible add-on that you can do. On Aha. There, so. Okay. So this seems so pretty awesome. And I will say, if you're really into it, I know um, apparently there are some uh, some rock stars in the miniature painting world. And they have like their own like DVDs and and stuff like that that put them out. And I know uh, Games Workshop and um, the people that do Corvus Belly, the people that do um, Infinity, have put out like their own uh, books. And I think Corvus Belly actually put out DVDs on like how to paint like our our studio painters, mm-hmm. you know, what how they did it and what they you know do and yeah so. If you're really into it, that kind of stuff is out there. And the last thing we had on here was Wingspan. From uh, You could pre-order this. This is from uh, Stone Mayor Games from our uh, close personal friend, right? <laughs> That's right. I was waiting for you to say yeah. his name because I was hoping you'd say it incorrectly. But, yes, Jamie Stegmeyer, Stone Mayer Games. This is their new – I would have said Stone Mayer, <laughs> Stegmeyer Games. This is their newest game. <laughs> And I, I haven't heard that much about it. I mean, I have heard that it's coming out, and I think um, the guy that does the the How It's Played videos, I think he might even already have a version of this out yet. Um, I know I've I've seen some buzz about it, but I don't know that much about the game. So one of the blurbs talks about if you enjoy terraforming Mars, which I do, um, we think this game will take flight at your table. 
but it's about <laughs> it's about collecting uh, birds. So it's yeah, you think wingspan is about airplanes? No, that's about it's about songbirds and 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 cultivating your birds. So it's a constructible right. card game or constructible deck game, I guess. Watch me try to pronounce this. You are a bird in enth- you are bird Okay, first of all it says you are bird in Don't you dare edit that. <laughs> I said watch me or listen to me try to pronounce this. You are bird enthusiasts, researchers, bird watchers, ornithologists. Ornithologists. Did I just say that? Ornithologists. <laughs> Orinthal Orinthal uh, Simpson. Yes. Orinthologist Simpson and collectors seeking to discover and attract the best birds to your network. So, uh, look, I've got to say, just looking at the components, and you can see this in the show notes, um, looking at this uh, at at a $49 price point, it's a pre-order price, you get a lot of nice bits in this. There's colored eggs. There's a freaking birdhouse dice roller for crying out loud. All for 50 bucks. And the the art's very bright and cheerful and they got pretty pictures of birds and yeah, this well, is cool. And didn't Jamie say that one of his um, ways that he combats counterfeiters is to have unique components? So. Our close personal friend Jamie Stegmeyer <laughs> of Stonemeyer Games. Yes, yes he did. He was like, he was, he was like, yes, so, he, uh, I, I'll, you know, by doing uh, components like this, it helps combat counterfeiters so of where the else Amazon can you find variety. Seventy-five wooden eggs in a game for fifty bucks. <laughs> yeah, that is that is true. I, you know, listening to, um, you know, uh, Tom. Talk about uh from uh, dadgummit. I'm Holland. Uh, I'm uh, Russell. Holland Spiel. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Holland Spiel talk about like you know getting components and you know for the games and stuff like that. I do wonder like you know well you know I need seventy five hundred eggs for a hundred copies of this thing. Can you you know, can you get that? And I need them in these colors and yeah. Mm-hmm. Just that that kind of thing is neat. But yeah, it looks like you get a whole lot for your money at uh fifty bucks. So I'm assuming this will actually be available at retail as well. Don't Stonemaier Games, aren't they available at retail? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah that'll definitely be at Miniature Market and so your local game store. The pre-order price is not available uh, at uh, Showtime. When the sh- when the, after the show drops, it will not. So the actual retail price is going to be $55. Right. And so how long is the pre-order available? It, does it say? Till Sunday, which is to, ah, for, t- for us. But for you, you all right. So the three of us can get it. <laughs> yes, no one else. Ha ha. Yes, I'll gladly sell it to you for fifty-five dollars, listener. So huh. I'm getting right. rich slowly. Yeah, ever so slowly. All right. So um, yeah, as this uh, show kind of ticks down here at the end, I will say uh, we have a possible interview coming up. Tuesday, and I guess so. I didn't think about putting it in here. I'll just post this show, and we'll just post it as just its own standalone thing. Maybe toward the weekend, we're posting a lot of stuff now. I like it. We're we're active. It's nice getting out there, getting a lot more uh, Twitter talking back, and people commenting on stuff I say and whatnot, which is nice. I like an interactive audience. It's pretty cool. Hmm. 
<clears throat> and um, there is a company that did mention to me about doing a giveaway. And because this company is very slow in giving things to be giving away, I don't want to hype it up just yet. I'm going to wait till I have said things in my hand before I give, even start talking about them being given away. Because maybe they will never come. Maybe they will. I don't know. Is it Games that Workshop? Is a deep tease. But, it's Games but Workshop, is one of the things they mentioned is an upcoming game, a game that is not out yet. And like, hey, how about we send you a copy and you give it away? Wouldn't that be cool? I'm like, yes, sir, it would. I would love that. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we'll just see if that happens. So, so you have hey, to keep listening man. to find out what that game is and what the company is. <laughs> follow, follow this drama. Follow the drama of my crazy idea of doing a 40k tournament series and what is that game and company he's talking about oh and you'll have it ever happen you'll have to bring us up to speed on the on the doc that you're uh working with with the guy that's trying to get back into magic oh yeah that is a good point he is legal now he his um his ban had passed and he was actually, um, it was right around the holidays, so he was too busy to do any main events. He messaged me yesterday, or it was today or yesterday, and talked about, like, hey, I'm going to be there Wednesday night for my first event. Can we do this thing? And so I was like, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll double-check with work when I get back Monday. And, um, yeah, it, it should happen. And uh, we'll shoot that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting. I really, he's an interesting character. <laughs> For sure, um, and uh, I hope this turns out to be a really cool story, and uh, I, I hope you guys, you listeners, get to see it, and um, yeah. So I guess that brings us to the end. We we at the end? We've been talking for a while. We hadn't talked in a while, so I guess, you know, hey, we had to talk for a while. Two hours right now. Yeah, thereabouts. So hopefully uh, I'll edit this tomorrow. Yeah, I haven't been to work in like a week. Don't you hate that? And then you you come back and yeah, it's like, brutal. I gotta... Man returns from vacation uh, with rejuvenated with newfound hatred for jobs. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, so I encourage you guys to go see Into the Spider Verse. Uh, I found it fantastic, and um, I loved uh, Spider Diva. And uh, I want to know a bunch about her. And that sucked. Like, I got home, and I was like, I want, yeah, I want to make everything about Spider Diva now. And um, I go and look, and they're like, well, she's only had, like, 14 comic book, you know, appearances. And I'm like, what? She was awesome. How can yeah. you not want I loved yeah. everything anyway. about that movie. My daughter's been listening to the soundtrack nonstop. So, yeah, that's, I, I enjoyed everything about it. I, yeah, it did have a good soundtrack. I had some issues with... Uh, some, I thought maybe some of it was out of focus, but I, I think that's just the style of the of the animation. There was... It, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, there were, there were times where it kind of looked like it was a 3D movie, but you didn't have the 3D glasses on. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Right. But I think that was okay. style, yeah. Okay. I really liked the blending of the different styles in the movie. You could tell, like, from sometimes from one scene to the next, they would go from hyper realistic to super comic book, and that was pretty mm -hmm. cool. That's cool. But I encourage you to see that, and then uh, hopefully I'll actually get a um, 
a chance to see Aquaman. I was going to go see it today. I'm a big fan of Jason, unpronounceable last name, because I loved him as Ronan Dex in um, Stargate Atlantis. Mm, I think the only thing and, I've seen him uh, in is Game of Thrones. How Drogo. And we'll see. He was, yeah, he was one of the best things in uh, about freaking uh, uh, Justice League. Him, him, and Batfleck made that movie, and yeah, so this he gets his own movie. It's gonna be awesome. But yeah, I couldn't see it. I had one kid that couldn't make it, so I'm like, ah, eh, we'll wait, and we'll all we'll all go see it as a family, you know, next weekend. So he's on a Netflix show called Frontier, also where he plays a uh, half English, half Native American Canadian uh, trapper guy. I don't know. I think it's called Frontier. I think, I think that was three halves. Yeah, it's um. He, so he yeah. Anyway, he's he's on that too. Which I believe there's yeah, two I've, seasons I've of that. For the most part. I yeah, I saw it uh, on Netflix, but I have not actually watched mm. it. So I'll catch it. All right. So end of the show. We hope you liked it and liked whatever I did to edit it, because you know, hey, that's future Adam's problem, not not, <laughs> my, not my problem. That's future Adam's problem. So uh, good night. <laughs> See you later. See you guys. Good night, everybody. Have a good night.